0: Hey, True Crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. As always, I am your host, Mary DePippy. First of all, I hope you are all having a wonderful end of your week, a great start to your weekend. We made it, people. We're here. If you are in the New York area, I just want to let you know that we are having a Halloween party, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, at Pen and Brush in New York City. So, if you are free to come and join us between 5 and 10 o'clock, I will have the link for all of that posted below, so you can click and get your tickets there. It is going to be a fun night. We have some awesome giveaways planned for you guys, some awesome games. And earlier on, we're going to actually have an interview with author Tonya Hurley, who wrote the book series Ghost Girl. So, we will specifically be talking about ghost girl her first novel of that series um and it's just gonna be a great time it's gonna be a lot of fun there's gonna be music and dancing and food and drinks and it's just gonna be a great time so click the link in below in the description and you can get your tickets to attend there i also just want to say thank you to my amazing intern rosie She is literally the reason this episode is made possible (laughs) this week. I've had so much going on with this party and everything, and she has taken on a lot more than I normally give her in order to get this episode out. So, Rosie, I appreciate you so, so much. Thank you for everything. Um, Yeah, I did make a post about it on Twitter, so if you see that, make sure to send her some love, okay? Okay. This week, it's not necessarily a Halloween-y episode, but it's still a very important case that we need to cover and something that we need to talk about. It's going to be uncomfortable a little bit. I'm sorry. (laughs) But like I said, it's a very important case to cover. So without any further ado, let's get into it. In the early morning hours of November 21st, 1970, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, also known as UNC, was getting into their first ever all-night dance marathon. The party began at midnight, and it was the school's attempt to improve race relationships in that area. Since only 2% of the school were African American at the time, the dance was open not just to the students, but to anyone in the neighborhood. About Two hours in, a fight broke out between members of a white motorcycle gang and some black attendees. It only ended when one of the black men fell to the ground, having been stabbed. UNC police quickly arrived, but they let the gang members go and delayed calling an ambulance. At 3.30 a.m., James Cates Jr. was officially declared dead. James Lewis Cates Jr. was born in late October 1948 to his parents, James Boots Lewis Cates Sr. and Eula Mae Cates in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. On his tombstone, his birthday is written as October 28th. However, his birthday, Birth certificate date says either October 26th or October 27th. And unfortunately, this type of inconsistency was a common occurrence for African Americans in the 1970s. James Cates Jr. was mostly raised by his paternal grandmother, Annie Cates. He was called baby boy by his close friends and family. And to his lifelong friends, he was known as like their Fonz. James was a smooth-talking, well-dressed, cool cat in the 70s. He was someone you could go to for advice and was also quite the ladies' man. James attended Lincoln High School until 1967, which at that time was an all-African-American school because, you know, fucking segregation. When the school became integrated and eventually changed the name to Chapel Hill High School, he became part of the school's newspaper and was involved in the student government. He had also marched to protest the Jim Crow laws. Now, on the night of November 21st, 1970, University of North Carolina was gearing up and was ready and kicking off their all-night dance-off. They invited both students and non-students because of, you know, integration. You know, they wanted to have some fun. They wanted to have a social night where everyone could come and be together, which, you know, I appreciate that sentiment. It, it In general, it just seemed like this was a community event. You know, everyone wanted to be there. It was, you know, again, meant to have some fun and to integrate everyone, and be more of a cohesive community instead of their segregated counterparts. Now, because just anyone was invited, a quote-unquote famous white motorcycle gang called the Stormtroopers decided to join, and to my best guess for why they wanted to come, was to start trouble. I have to say, when I heard the name that they were called the Stormtroopers, I was just kind of like, what the fuck? You know, because I'm immediately thinking Star Wars. Dudes all in white. And part of me is wondering because, in case for, you know, anyone who doesn't know, this is 1970. Star Wars, even though I, I can't believe I'm admitting this, I'm not like a Star Wars fan. I know that Star Wars came out in 1977. So, you know, obviously there was 7 years time difference here. Obviously this biker game gang came before you know, the what we know as the stormtroopers today in Star Wars. So I'm very curious to know like did George Lucas do this on purpose, you know, because again, like it would fit, you know, despite the fact that they're a motorcycle gang you know they're essentially a white gang (laughs) and they're bad guys which would totally make sense you know given everything we know about stormtroopers so i'm curious to know if like they were and it feels gross to say like were they in the inspiration but you know i'm curious to know if they had any sort of influence over that character or if it was just totally coincidental who knows But, of course, again, as we suspected, this gang decided that they wanted to cause some trouble. And the gang members that were there in attendance at this all-night dance-off got into a fight with some black attendees. Now, because, and certainly not, you know, not all white conservative men are this, but these particular gentlemen fitting in with their stereotype, clearly had no balls, and lived some insane world where, I'm assuming it's most likely driven by fear, where they felt, oh my god, we're the best, and anyone else is an abomination in their fucked up little pinhead minds. Now, a member of the university police got involved, and of course the fight just escalated from there. This led to 22-year-old James Cates being stabbed. Now, it was said that there were a total of seven stormtroopers and 40 black individuals involved in this altercation. (laughs) Um, Or at least that was what was reported. However, I feel like these numbers were skewed. I could be wrong. Who knows? Again, maybe George Lucas got some inspiration from that for the fact that, you know, we all know stormtroopers can't aim. They suck at fighting. They suck at combat. <laughs> so if 7 verse 40 and the 7, you know, didn't do so well. I could see that. I could see that. But again, because this isn't Star Wars and this is the real world, I feel like they skewed this. Because again, this is the 1970s. And especially people in the South were fucking racist. So... You know, it was said that a total of 10 police members, allegedly, and I'm saying allegedly, I don't know. Again, I feel like kind of with this whole thing, because it is in the 70s and with the racism and just overall, I feel like not to say again that this is everyone, but just again, I feel like as humans with our lizard brains, we are constantly evolving And I feel that the humans involved in this particular instance did not have their brains as evolved as the rest of us today do. (laughs) So, because of that, I think that maybe the numbers could have been skewed. Things could have been exaggerated, whether over or under. I don't know. But again, this is just what's reported. So allegedly, possibly factually, who knows, a total of 10 policemen, including those from Chapel Hill Campus Police Department, arrived on the scene. Specifically, an ex-Army medic who was working as an orderly at Chapel Hill or University of North Carolina University found a James unresponsive and bleeding now despite his multiple assertions to the police that James's life was in danger the police decided that they were going to take their time calling an ambulance because they needed to get these stormtroopers out of the area you know because as if they're not the the main problem here you know as if they are not at fault you know let them go Let them go. Let them run free. Who cares, right? So because of that, obviously, it took a long time. And locals on the scene offered, actually, to take James to the hospital themselves. But the police refused their help, stating that they were told not to move injured people. Which, I have to say, I can't disagree with that statement as much as it hurts me <laughs> to say in this situation. Not every situation, but this situation specifically. You know, because there are instances, especially with head injuries, where you can't move that person without proper medical personnel. However, result, reports vary On the time it took for police to finally give in and send James to the hospital in a police car. Or, you know, just get help in general. The range goes from 15 to 45 minutes. I just want to give you all a moment to let that sink in. Because (laughs) what the literal fuck It's not like there wasn't a hospital close by. There actually was one close by. Had the police not sat with their thumbs up their asses and, you know, waited all of this time, James Cates Jr. might actually be alive today. Hate your crime friends. If you're like me, you love personalized merch and you love shopping local. So here is one of my favorite local vendors to buy from. It's Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E Made It. My friend Mandy makes the most incredible personalized crochet goods and decor for your home. Spooky season is coming up. She has some of the coolest Halloween designs. So go follow her on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. Again, that's M-A-N-D-E-E made it. And place your order with her today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Eventually, when James Case got to the hospital... Doctors did what they could, but they confirmed that he would have lived longer had he gotten to the hospital sooner. So specifically, the three men involved with James's murder, they are William P. Johnson, age 28 at the time, Rufus Paul Nelson, age 26 at the time, and Ronnie Broadwell, age 28 at the time. They were specifically involved and indicted on James Cates Jr.'s murder. They were all members of the Stormtroopers gang, and they themselves were based out of Durham, but they frequented Chapel Hill due to their strong ties in the area. Now, they were arrested for stabbing and killing James Cates and were held on a $10,000 bond each at the Orange County Jail. However, they all were released quite immediately. Now, the University of North Carolina argued that police eventually drove James to the hospital after 15 minutes. But again, who actually freaking knows? Aside from those, you know, hopefully dead assholes. James's cousin Nate argued that it took him almost 14 minutes to drive to University of North Carolina campus after hearing that James was stabbed and went to two different houses to let James' mother and his grandmother know what had happened. So, someone's fucking lying, someone's fucking lying, and I don't think it's James Cates' family, because what (laughs) what reason would they have to lie? So, Nate also added that he had offered also to take James to the hospital himself, but again, the police stopped him, which again... (sighs) Part of it, I, again, can understand because, again, without medical personnel, you don't know what you're doing, and you can make it worse, and then they get sued, and then it's a whole big thing. But again, here I am reminding you, this is the 1970s, and most likely these cops were racist as fuck, so they probably didn't give a shit and were just sitting on their asses like I had said earlier. Attorneys wanted to use the identity defense because police had told the stormtroopers to leave. Of the 50 civilian eyewitnesses, including Nate, James's cousin, who was there at the time, the prosecution only decided to call five. And guess what? Nate, James's cousin, was not one of them. The trial lasted no more than four days, and all, of course, to the shock of no one. No one. I mean, again, and I hate to say this, as I read this, I wasn't even shocked. And I hate that I'm saying that. But again, this was the fucking mm, 70s. So, of course, all of the members of this jury were white. And after 85 minutes of deliberation, they decided that the stormtroopers were not guilty. Again, they were not guilty. You're not mishearing me. I said not in front of guilty. I know. (laughs) this fucking sucks. Obviously, this started an uproar and Chapel Hill's black community all joined in a fundraising drive to hire a lawyer named Adam Stein. Obviously, sadly, this did not go anywhere. Um, the decision was upheld. And, you know, again, to, to say that the police handled this situation extremely poorly and horribly, it's kind of an understatement. I mean, I don't know how much more of this they could have fucked up. They literally let the bad people go and let the good people who were injured and suffering die. I mean, it's absolutely insane. But again, and even still today, in some cases, this is the fucking world we live in, people. I'm sure, as you can tell, I'm getting very angry at this case. And it really just irks me that anyone anywhere at any time can just think, oh, I'm better than other people. And people who don't look like me, like fucking Hitler, you know, think that they can go out and do these things and get away with it. And fucking society and the people in charge, let them get away with it. It's absolute fucking bullshit. So, again, I this is why I'm pissed about this case. And... I mean most of you know I, when I laugh it's not like I'm not laughing I'm not actually laughing it's just me being frustrated and it just comes out like it sounds like I'm laughing and I'm sorry but anyway so again as we can see they totally got off scot-free you know and actually an undergraduate student wrote a letter to newspapers describing how a man died who might well have been saved obviously this person pissed off the black community in North Carolina, and the witnesses, neighbors, relatives demanded an investigation by the University of North Carolina. They responded with a five-page-plus report that could at best be described as a cover-up. Most of the pages consisted of reports from each officer's account of the case with barely any of the black interviewees' testimonies. Moreover, the stormtroopers' racial slurs and threats were omitted and described as false instances of black bystanders acting violently. Hmm. I'm sorry, I'm just bracing myself because not only am I extremely annoyed at what I just had to say, I'm also... Ah, about what I have to say next, because even before the University of North Carolina learned that James had officially died, university employees were already cleaning up the fucking crime scene. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you can see, I mean, I know we discussed the trial already, but we can already see how this case was fucking skewed and covered up and just <laughs> completely mishandled right off the get go. And the only reason I wanted to include the trial before I discussed this was because obviously, I mean, I hate to say obviously, but, you know, I'm sure not many of you are surprised that they got off. So I kind of just wanted to get that out of the way. But I will have you know that I am ending this on a happy note because as of the end of March of this year, 2022, the DOJ has decided they want to look into this case. Yes, they are. Very excited about that. I do not have any more developments as of yet. I am will try to update you the best that I can depending on what information is released. But at least someone decided today that, oh shit, this case was not looked into properly. It was not done properly. Maybe we should fucking do something about that. Like, thank God. Also... The University of North Carolina is also looking to make a memorial for James Cates on campus and making the permanent thing. So at least some good is coming out of it now. (laughs) You know, again, back then, obviously, this was a shit show. Obviously, there was a shit ton of fucking racism involved. And this poor 22 year old young man who had so much promise and so much potential had to die. For what? For fucking what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway, my dears, that is all I have for you today. I hope you all have a great weekend. If you are in the New York area, please come hang out with us at Pen and Brush. Like I said, I have the link in the description below. If you want to get tickets to do so, please do that. Also don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on social media at True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok and on Twitter at TC in Academia. And if you want access to the bonus episodes, you need to go to patreon.com slash ivorytower boiler room and pick the subscriber level tier blah, blah, pick the subscriber level tier you want to belong to. And you can have access to that, my dearies. So, my dearies, until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful, happy, safe, and spooky Halloween. And until next week, my loves,
1: I will see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Welcome to the fall season. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room is a public humanities podcast where we interview writers, scholars, performers, and artists. Episodes air on Mondays. I am Andrew Rimby, the executive director. I'm so happy to welcome my team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor, Kimberly Dallas, our editor, and an amazing fall group of interns. Thank you to this team. Please follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on TikTok, and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Easy to remember. Our Twitter is at Ivory Boiler Room. And we have a whole new design for our Patreon. It is called the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe because you're joining us and eavesdropping on our conversations that are unedited videos of all of our Ivory Tower Boiler Room episodes. As if you're eavesdropping in a cafe, overhearing the conversation. Well, talking about overhearing a conversation. Hi, Mary. Hello, Andrew.
0: And hello, everyone. I'm Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime in Academia, a podcast, well, a true crime podcast that is focused mainly on the crimes committed by and to those in the field of academia. Episodes air every Tuesday at noon, you can follow True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia and on Twitter at TC and Academia because Twitter hates extra characters, as we all know. And as Andrew alluded to earlier, we have a Patreon and True Crime and Academia has exclusive bonus episodes for subscribers. As a true crime enthusiast, I don't necessarily like to pigeonhole my true crime interests. So over on the Patreon, I cover some of the more high-profile cases not related to academia, such as the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey and the case of Casey Anthony. So if you want access to videos like that, go over to patreon.com slash boiler room and become a subscriber.
1: Thank you all for joining us. And here's to an amazing fall season. Oop, Bye. Bye everyone.